University of Spiritual Warfare. Bible Coast University of Spiritual Warfare. We're glad to have you on board today, May 6th, 2021. Today also is the National Day of Prayer. And of course, I do hope you have prayed and released the word. And you know the power and the authority of the word that will do job. And tonight we want to take a look and we want to see what we're fighting and how we're fighting what we're fighting with. We are fighting a war of words. And we fight this war with words. This is a war that is of a spiritual nature. And we must understand that we have been destined to win. And if you don't understand the dynamics of this warfare and you don't understand what you're fighting with, you will not be be the winner. You'll be a victim and the loser. God wants you to understand, number one, uh, we are fighting with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So in this war of words and the war with words, our weapon given to us by God is the Word of the living God. We cannot sideline the Word of God. And I know many Christians, you know, they're prayer warriors for many years. You have sidelined the word of God and they get to praying and they pray up a blue streak. They pray out of their own emotions and their own thoughts and they pray everything else but the word of the living God. That's not going to cut it. Satan grabs that prayer and he crumbles it up like a piece of paper, throws it down, and he says rubbish. Why? You're not dealing with the fire. The Word of God. The Word of God is fire. It's a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. When you utilize the sword of the Spirit, the Word of the living God, you're warring with the weapon that God has given you, the mighty weapons through God, the mighty weapons that God will work through to pull down every stronghold and every fortress. So we must understand that we've got to play by the book. You've got to fight this warfare the way God says we are to fight it. Don't cast aside the word of God and try to do your own thing. Not allowed. You must do exactly what the Lord calls for. Now tonight, throughout all biblical history, boastfulness and evil, we have seen those two go hand in hand. Wherever you find a boastful person bragging and boasting on themselves and their abilities, evil goes hand in hand with that boastfulness. The Bible says it's not by a man's might, nor is it by his power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. So all those who are in the Lord and who are depending on the Lord, they are not looking to what we can do, our strong arms can do to help us but what the Lord can do through his spirit. And the Bible teaches us that God is a spirit. And those who would apprehend God, those who would lay hold of him, those who would interact with him must do so in spirit and in truth. So wherever we find boastfulness and evil, they go hand in hand. The most proud people are always the most loud and boastful. 
of which the most biblically boastful character, I believe, is Goliath. Send me a man who can fight with me. He was a giant, of course, and he knew that many people were not his size, his stature, and he could physically defeat just about any person that he wanted because, of course, they were just normal-sized men. And he was a giant. So, evil is always proud. Evil is always filled up, puffed up with pride. Evil is never humble. But evil is always boastful. Just look around today. Are you seeing pride anywhere? Are you seeing people proud and arrogant and loud and boastful? They're evil. Mm-hmm. They walk around in pride. They walk around in arrogance. They're loud and they're proud. They're boastful and they're evil. They're wicked. But you're going to see what God says we are to do with those kind of people. And I hope you understand that this is the word of God. This is warfare. So if you look around today, you're going to find the loud, you're going to find the proud, you're going to find the boastful men. Many of them are billionaires. Many of them are men in high positions. Many of them are so-called the leaders, the elites, the top of the, of, of the nation, on top of the nations. They speak proudly loftily and they speak with a certain arrogance they speak as if to say when we talk people must listen and you must obey what we say why because we are the rulers we are the rich and the rich rules over the poor we are in positions of authority and power and you must do as we tell you and if you don't well, you know, we will put you in your position. Well, let me tell you something. That's where steam begins to pop out of my ears. And I'm going to teach you tonight. And when you begin to hear people talk in this manner and with such arrogance and pride, you are to take a position of anger. You've got to understand that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So when pride is being put forth, and you can discern pride, pride in speech and boastfulness, you've got to understand it comes from a haughty spirit. And wherever you see a haughty spirit and pride and boastfulness, watch out. A fall is coming. A fall is coming. And guess what? I'm going to help them to fall. I'm going to help to push them down. How do I help to push him down? I use the word of the living God, and he will bring your fall. He'll trip him up in due season. Wherever we see and whenever we see a demonstration of arrogance and pride, make sure you know and understand that a drop is coming, a fall is coming. Whenever a nation is proud and puffed up, a fall is coming. Whenever nations get together and they begin to boast and brag, a fall is coming. They're coming down. Whenever a singular man or a singular woman becomes boastful, puffed up, and proud, a fall is coming. 
God is going to make them fall. God looks at the proud afar off, the Bible says, but he gives grace, favor to the humble. The Bible says God resisted the proud. He resists them. He fights against them. He blows his wind and his energy against them, but God gives favor to those who are humble. You want to know something? The boastful and the evil people, they always put themselves up or puff themselves up against the Lord and his humble and sometimes timid people. Always you will find that because this is how Satan operates. He is anti-God and he will use men to challenge God because Satan himself will not challenge God. He knows he's a loser. He cannot win. So what will he do? He will bring men, people, to challenge God. And most of the time, people will not challenge God because God they cannot see. So what is the next closest thing to God that they can see? Is it the rainbow in the sky, the gentle rain that comes, the nice weather God sends? No. It is the people of God. So wicked people, boastful people, evil people will always put themselves in opposition to the humble people of the living God. That's where you and I come in. That's where David comes in. David always said, make no tarrying, God. Don't, 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 don't delay. Hurry up, God. Make haste unto me, O God. Don't be still, Lord. Don't hold your peace, Lord. Don't, 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 don't delay. Don't, don't hold your peace. Hurry up, God. Because if you don't hurry up, the, the boastful and the proud and the evil and the wicked people, they're going to swallow me up. So they're always puffing themselves up against the Lord and his humble and sometimes timid people. Now we're going to look at a story where all Israel was afraid of Goliath till David showed up. Why? All of Israel was timid. The boastfulness of Goliath, the arrogance of Goliath, loud and proud, send me a man for 40 days and 40 nights. He was there bellowing like a bull. Send me a man that can fight with me. And if you defeat us, we'll serve you. And if we defeat you, you'll be our servants. That was the deal. And Goliath was a champion. He was a man of war since his youth. He was twice the height of anybody on the Lord's side. He was about 12 feet tall or more, depending on whose cubit you use. So they... David showed up, and David was the opposite of Goliath. David was a humble man. Well, actually, a humble lad. He wasn't fully a man. He was a young man, wet behind the ear, impetuous. But he was a man of God. When David showed up, something showed up with David. Oh, hallelujah. You see, David was not chicken like all the rest of Israel. That when they heard Goliath rumble and bellow like a bull, send me a man. The Bible says every one of the men in Israel, they were sore 
afraid. They were deadly afraid. Terror struck them. They were past timid. It was about 11.59, 59 minutes past timid. They were deadly afraid. They were terror struck by Goliath and his sighs and his bellowing because they knew they couldn't fight him and beat him hand to hand, physical bodies to physical bodies. When they looked at Goliath's armor and his armaments, they knew there's no way they could win against him. But thank God for David. David showed us it is not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, said the Lord. Hallelujah. So let's look at 1 Samuel 17 as we look at spiritual warfare. And we're going to see how to conduct spiritual warfare because we don't fight people physically nowadays. Uh uh-uh. uh. That's physical warfare. We don't do guns and bullets knives and sticks and stones we do words and we use daddy's word and we come at our enemies and we cut them down and we're going to obey daddy and slaughter the enemy we're going to grind them to the dirt that's what daddy told us to do we're going to see the scripture where daddy told us how to do it and what to do so let's go to first samuel the 17th chapter as we get into the University of Spiritual Warfare through Bible Code 7, 43 verse, 1 Samuel 17. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that you come to me with a stave? Eh? You come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by or through his gods. Mm-hmm. Here we have word warfare. Yes, word warfare. The Philistines said to David, he said, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Hmm? And then the Philistine turned around, Goliath, and he cursed David by his gods. He what? He cursed David by his gods. Well, you know, in life, it's either blessing or cursing, and anybody who hates you, they can't bless you, they curse you. They say nasty stuff about you. It's not a blessing, it's a curse. Uh, Wake up and smell the coffee. And some people, when they talk about you, you think they're your friends. Uh, They are being used as Satan to become your enemy. And by the way, and just in case you don't know it, know it now, that midnight every night, between midnight and 3 o'clock, witches and warlocks gathering covens all across the world. And they curse the Christians. And just because you named the name Jesus Christ, you're being cursed. What are you doing about it? Are those fiery arrows, those fiery darts sticking in you and hanging off of you? I look at you in the spirit. I see fiery darts in your head, off your cheek, in your back, off your butt, off your heels, off all part of your body. You look like a dartboard. That's why I tell you, you're you're not the devil's dartboard. You're not the devil's punching bag. You're not the devil's doormat. I've had people over the years call me and they tell me, they say, you know, uh, this happened. And physically they feel, they, they, they've been slapped by the devil and they woke up and they literally feel somebody slapped them or hit them. Those days must be over. And I've told you my testimony. Uh, I'm in a fight, spiritual fight. And what happens, I'm fighting so hard in the spirit that 
uh, I, I'm fighting and I'm trying to scream out. I'm trying to wake up and resist and something holding you down. You can't scream. And then when you fight, you fight, then you wake up. I don't get that stuff no more. Devil doesn't come to me with that no more. I'm, I'm too much of a warrior. I'm, I'm, I'm casting fire on him. He doesn't come. He doesn't play that game with me anymore. This is what I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you not to be a victim because you see when the devil holds you down in sleep, when the enemy comes and slaps you and do things to you, and I've read reports of even people getting raped in their sleep, you're a victim. You need to come out of victimhood. And you better wake up and smell the coffee that you must understand that you are a victim. And the Lord does not want you to be a victim. You're a punching bag for the devil. When Satan can come to you and do what he wants to do with you, and these are things I read. I read people's testimony. I read what people write. What people say happens to them. Dogs chasing them. Snakes are biting them. And all that kind of that. You're a victim. And people getting, uh, and, and, and they feel physically abused, raped. Again, you're a victim. You need to come out of victimhood. These things are not right. These things are not supposed to happen. So you've got to understand that we are in a world warfare against spiritual dark forces. And how do you overcome these dark forces? You need to understand that the only weapon you have is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, mighty through God, because it is through God to what? Because God watches over his word to bring it into performance. So David was cursed by Goliath. Goliath cursed him by his gods. Verse 44, And the Philistine said to David, Come to me. I'll give you a flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill you and chop you up. <clears throat> I'm going to make you bird food and dog food, animal food. And that's what he said to David. This is my intention for you. So he expressed his intention and told David, this is what I'm going to do for you. And by the way, just so you don't know it, just so you you know it, because I know many of people don't know it. When the witches gather at midnight to three o'clock, this is what they say over the Christians. They speak accidents on the highway to the Christians. They speak tumors and diseases to the Christians. They speak all manner of sicknesses and all manner of maladies to you, your children, your little ones, drugs, alcohol, sodomy. Perversion, all these things they speak. How do you know that? Does the Bible back that up? Of course, the Bible says, uh, uh, while men slept, the devil comes. And what does he do? He sows weeds among the precious wheat. So here you are doing your very best to serve Jesus and living for Jesus, and the devil comes at night while you're sleeping. And he gives you a bad vision, showing you doing certain things. And before you know it in the future, if you're not careful, you're going to end up doing it. That's why the book of Jude talks about the people who have crept into the church, the leaders. 
And he calls them what? Filthy dreamers. What does that mean? They dream. And what do they dream? They have filthy dreams. And what happens after the filthy dreams? Because it happens in the realm of the spirit, then afterwards it manifests itself in the realm of the flesh. It manifests in an outward or a physical doing. So people are doing things that they don't normally would do. When you read certain things that are happening, you're reading about men married and having children, fathers, good fathers, good husbands. All of a sudden, one day the boy come home, tell his wife, I'm leaving. I met another guy and I'm going to leave the marriage. I'm going to live with another guy. What? Where did that come from? A filthy dream. Mm-hmm. A dream was what? It was sown. It was planted. And then it began to grow. And after it began to grow, then what? It was birthed. It was manifested. And this thing happened. So these are the things that happen spiritually. It happens in the realm of the spirit first. Then afterwards in the spirit realm, then it becomes in the natural realm. It becomes a man, it becomes a, a, a physical or natural manifestation. So here David was cursed by Goliath. And he said, this is what I'm going to do to you. Feed you to the birds and feed you to the beasts of the field. And what did David do? He sat there and he sucked it up. And he said, oh, yes, Mr. Goliath. Uh, no, he didn't. The 45th verse, David responded to the Philistine. And he said, no, I'm not going to take your wicked words. And this is how we've got to do. Every night, the demons and the witches and the warlocks are cursing the Christian. I'm a, I get up in the morning, and I'm getting my shot in at 12 to 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. I'm getting the word of God in. Because guess what? I'm not going to take your nasty stuff. You're not fiery arrows, and they're going to stick in me. You will not label me. You will not put a fiery dart on me and allow anything to stick to me. My body belongs to Jesus. Do you hear me? My soul belongs to Jesus. Everything about me belongs to Jesus. I'm not going to take no stuff from the devil and let no, no, no weed or tear grow in me. Because I'm contaminated with Jesus. No disease is going to come near me. It's not going to stick to me. COVID can't touch me. Why? Because I belong to Jesus. Bring it on with whatever comes. It cannot harm me. Why? Because the word of God told me that. And my body belongs to Jesus. My soul belongs to Jesus. Everything about me belongs to Jesus and is saturated in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to keep it that way. And how do I keep it that way? This is how we do it. Word warfare. War of words and war with words. So David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, a shield. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. You have defied my God. And I'm coming back at you in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So you come to me 
with all your paraphernalia, your physical stuff, and you're expecting to intimidate me with your 12-foot statue, your spear, your sword, your shield. But guess what? I am not intimidated. I'm not afraid of you. I don't care who you are. I don't care how many billion dollars you got. I don't care how many companies you own, how many jets you have, how many mansions you have. I don't care how many people you have employed for you. I don't care about your bodyguards and how many bodyguards you have. I am not intimidated by you. You put your pants on one foot at a time just like me. Your position doesn't phase me, doesn't intimidate me. Now, don't go ga, ga, ga and want your autograph just because you're a movie star or because you're a president or because you're a prime minister or a billionaire. I don't need what you have. You don't intimidate me. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not awed by you either. Don't believe I'm awestruck because you are in my presence, or I've heard about you, and this is who you I don't care. You're just another man. And you can fall like another man just like anybody else. So what was David telling Goliath? David, hey, Goliath, you might be 12 feet tall. You might be a young boy, but you don't scare me. I'm not intimidated, okay? Why? Because I got somebody greater in me than you who's in the world. I'm coming to you, I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of the living God. That is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, God of the armies of Israel, and you have defied him. And when you defy him, well, he has picked up a guy like me, and I am going to defy you because he is in me working against you. And I'm not coming against you on my own and by myself. I'm coming in his name. And you're done. You're finished. And this is what we need to do. And this is the attitude we need to get. Because this is the only way you're going to win and become a victor and not a loser. And this is what he told him, told him again. Ah, the 46th verse. This day, today, your number is up. The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you. I'll kill you and take your head from you. And I'll give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this way to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the field. The birds of the air and the beasts of the field are going to eat their dead bodies. We're not going to bury you or burn you. All the earth is going to know that there is a God in Israel. Everybody must know that there is a Jesus. The Sunday school children used to teach them this little song, everybody ought to know, everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Well, let me tell you something. They ought to only, not only ought to know who he is, but they must be afraid of him. They must reverence him. The Bible says every knee must bow to Jesus, and every tongue must confess to Jesus Christ that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is the ruler, the owner, the master. He is the creator. You must bow to him. People can defy him now, and they can do anything and say all kind of stuff. 
I was an atheist a couple of years ago, and I did. I defied Jesus. Thank God for his mercy. But listen to me carefully. When I got to know who Jesus is, I reverence him. I fear him because I know his awesome power. I know his dominion, and I know his might. All those who would war against you must come to know who this Jesus is. How are they going to know? Well, that's why God takes you and he puts you out there and he puts you right up there at the tip of the battle. You ever heard it said that he puts you at the tip of the spear, meaning the spear is touching your belly button <laughs> and you're looking down at it. You're either going to be afraid of it or guess what? You are going to fight against it. It won't harm you. Nothing shall by any means harm you. You are at the tip of the spear. The spear might be touching you, but it can't hurt you. This is what you got to know and understand why. Jesus is fighting for you. He's a shield about you. He's the lifter up of your head. You must trust and not be afraid. Nothing shall or can by any means, methods or devices hurt you. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? It will not harm you. And this is the essence of spiritual warfare, a confidence of knowing nothing shall, by any means, methods, or devices, harm you. And responding to the threats of the Goliaths by what? The word of the living God. You don't sit there and take the stuff that they spew all over you. They speak curse words at you. Goliath cursed David by his gods. What if David had just sitting there and sucked it up and said, yes, Mr. Goliath, and hung his head down, timid and afraid? Uh, you wouldn't be reading the story today, I guarantee you that. But because of the defiance of David, because of the perseverance of David, because David was insulted, fire began to burn in David. Steam began to pop out of his ear. He became indignant. He became ballistically angry. Who the hell is this uncircumcised Philistine? Where in hell did you come from? Where, where, what part of hell were you belched out of? What part of hell vomited you out? Well, if the hottest part of hell, the most evil part of hell that vomited you out, you're going back. Today, this day, Jesus will deliver you into my hand, and I'll kill you, take your head off of you. I'll rip you to pieces, and I'll give your body to the fowls of the air and all your cohorts. I'm going to feed you to the beasts of the earth to the fowls of the earth. The crows and the ravens will eat you. The foxes and the wolves and all the other animals will eat you. You will not even be buried. Today, this day, God will deliver you into my hand. That's your attitude, ma'am. That's the attitude, sir. That's what you're going to tell your enemy. No more. It's done. Your number is up. No matter what you're going through, the game is over. Now what the devil is doing to you, sickness, it's over. What is the sickness that's trying to come on you today? <clears throat> hmm? Is it a funny headache? 
pain in your belly? What kind of thing is trying to come on you? You're feeling going through your body. People tell you they feel a pain over here in the chest and move down in the abdomen and go in the lower abdomen. That's the spirit of infirmity. I curse you out. Don't come back. In the mighty name of Jesus, this body is holy territory, holy ground. Jesus is on board. Your number is up and the game is over today. God delivers proud people into the hands of his humble servants, just like he did Goliath. Proud Goliath delivered into the hand of humble David. David was humble. David was no chicken. David was humble when he was not a doormat or a dartboard. You see, many Christians, they associate, and we've been taught this over the years, humility. And they associate humility with being a, that, you, that you, you're not a warrior. They slap you on one cheek, turn the other cheek, man. And when they slap you on the other cheek, lay down on the ground so they can walk over you. That's what one Bible tells you. My Bible teaches me, and slapping and turning the cheek, is, it's a lesson in non-violence. That's what Jesus taught. I've searched this thing out and searched it out and searched it out. Non-violence. Don't respond with violence. You defend yourself, yes. Defend your family, yes. But you don't, you don't become physically violent. It'll get you nowhere. Violence begets more violence. But you defend yourself. So, humble people are not people who are Satan's doormats. Humble people, humble servants of Jesus, are warriors who will not be used as a dartboard or a doormat. You're not going to curse me, say bad things about me, and I sit there and suck it up. No, it ain't going to happen. I know how to turn it around. You make a nice compliment to me, oh, same to you. You say something nasty about me, evil, the same to you too, sevenfold, baby. Mm -hmm. Has he loved cursing, let the curses come to him? He loved to curse, let the curses come to him. Let the curses go back, let the curses boomerang upon him. Send it back to him. He takes no delight in blessing, let the blessings be far, far from him. Let the curses that he curse with and the evil that he speaks come into his bowels like water and like oil in his bones, in his marrow. Let it be unto him as a garment that covers him and like the undergarment that girdles him. Let this be the reward of the, the, the evil person that speaks evil against my soul, like against the, the body of Christ, the believers in Jesus Christ. Send that thing back. What do you do and have that thing sticking to you? You need to learn how to send it back. And this is the scripture I teach you. And if you're not a 109er, Psalm 109, if you're not releasing Psalm 109 every day by now, you should see and know the scripture, then you need to start. And not only 109, but you need 83 because you've got to fight for the body of Christ, the church all over the nations of the world. And by the way, I know the words of Psalm 109 and 83 are kind of harsh words, but guess what? None of your darn business. I said it is none of your business. It's your business to release the word and not judge the words. Jesus 
says, all scripture is given by the inbreathing of the Holy Spirit. And it is profitable for reproof, rebuke. That's what we're doing. We're rebuking the enemy. Because if you don't rebuke the enemy, you're going to become a dartboard. You, it's either you or the enemy. And it's not just you. And if you want to be so nice and nice Christians, here you go again, associating humility with it being a dartboard and a doormat. And I know some Christians are so nice. Well, that's okay. Remember your children and your grandchildren. It's not just you. It's your children and your grandchildren, okay? And the body of Christ that needs to be fought for. And if you're not that kind of person, then, hey, God bless you. But I'm a warrior. I'm, I'm called by God and trained by Jesus Christ to train warriors. I have no use for wimps. I have no use for the nice, nice people. Nice, nice people who want to be turning the other cheek and be used as a dartboard and a doormat, uh, they need to go listen to Bishop so-and-so. But if you feel a fire burning with you, burning in you like David, who the hell does this guy think he is? I'm sick and tired of being used as a doormat. Then, hey, I got the answer for you. I got the solution for you. Bible Code 7. And he, oh, by the way, even Jesus used it, honey. Yes, Jesus Christ himself used Bible Code 7, Matthew 23. He issued seven woes to his deadly adversaries who were attacking him. Who are they? Scribes and the Pharisees. He said, woe, anguish, suffering, tribulation be unto you. He pronounced it on them. He told them. He asked them the question first. Who or how shall you escape the damnation of hell? How? Being you have rejected me, Jesus Christ, who is the only Savior, how can you escape the damnation of hell? And then after they, they still attacked him, he pronounced the seven woes on them, and he said, this generation, you are the descendants of the generation that killed the prophets. This generation, you shall go to hell. Why? You shall be damned to hell. Why? Because you have rejected me. You reject Jesus? Well, that's the only thing you're going to do. Go to hell. You turned your own key. So we are to understand that Jesus didn't come and Jesus was no whip. And I told you before that Jesus manifested himself and showed himself to be a warrior. And he called Herod a fox. You call the king a fox? Huh? Go tell that fox. Hmm? And, and all the other things that Jesus did, 500 or a legion of men came to, attack, to get Jesus. Uh, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. And every last one of them fell backwards on the ground as if they were dead men. There's no humility in that. That's power. Well, what is humility? Humility is power under perfect control. That's what humility is. And that's what Jesus was. He was humble. He didn't come to hurt anybody. The Bible says he did not come in this world to condemn anyone, but that through him and by him, the world might be saved. But my God, when he comes back, whoo, Lord have mercy. He is coming back in righteousness to make war, and he will slaughter his adversaries. 
The Bible says his raiment, his vesture would be dipped in blood. What blood? The blood of the enemies that he will kill with the sword of his mouth, with his words. And when he kills all of his enemies, the birds of the air and the beasts of the field will come and devour much flesh. Every bird, raven, will come to clean up the dead bodies that he's going to kill. Go read Revelation 19. That's my Jesus. Hallelujah. My Jesus is not the Jesus where you see a little picture hanging on the cross and they slapped him around and they beat him up. Uh-uh. He went through and endured all that. Yes. And I look back at the cross. He said, remember this. Look back upon it. And often as you do it, remember communion and have uh, Resurrection Sunday. Remember, do it to remember me. And often as you do it in remembrance of me. Remember means we look back and reflect back upon what was in the past. But that ain't where we are now. Where is my Jesus? He is sitting on the right hand of absolute total power ready to back me up down here when I declare his righteous words against proud and arrogant men. So please understand our Jesus that we are to see. We are to see two Jesus. One, he is coming back in great power to destroy all his adversaries, kill them, Make mincemeat out of them. He'll slice them and dice them. Number one. But where he is right now, he is calling for sinners to come and come to him and humble themselves before him. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father in total power and total authority. Do you hear what I'm saying? He is listening to you and to me, watching over you and me. His eyes are upon the righteous, and his ears are open and attentive to their cry. He is attentive to his words, so that when he hears the words of the living God, he will perform the words of God, because he what watches over his words to bring them into performance. That's what Code 7 warfare is all about. We are in a word warfare. So when this word came out of David's mouth, today... God will deliver you into my hand. I'll kill you and take your head from you. What did God do? God take one rock out of David's slingshot and accelerated it. Uh, wild acceleration right in the middle of his forehead between his eyes and it sunk into his skull. Lights out. Let me tell you something. David was not that good of a slingshot young man to do that job. Okay? That was the Holy Spirit. One the rock of a slingshot. David did not have enough power in his hands to crack the lion's skull with a rock and knock him out. The Holy Spirit did that. Why? He invoked the power of God today. This day, God is going to give me in your hands, give you into my hands. And so it was one rock from a slingshot. Knocked him out, he fell on the ground. David knew, son, this is your moment, son. Grabbed Goliath's big seven-foot sword and chopped that boy's head off. Make sure he's dead, David. Don't spare him. 
oh well, I, 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 I don't like blood. I'm afraid of blood. And I, I, that sword, I'm not being... Now, you better chop that boy's head off because if you don't chop his head off, he's going to wake up and chop your head off. But David told him, I'm going to kill you today. God enabled David to kill him. You hear what I'm saying to you? That's warfare. Game over. Your number is up today. This is how you're going to attack this situation. I've had enough. Enough is enough. When God showed me 1988, what I was dealing with, and I read my first time, Psalm 91, I said, enough is enough. I began to burn with anger. I said, this is not what I'm having. I am a new Christian. I had enough. And I was ballistically angry. And I began to wield the sword of the Spirit. And I began to war. So God delivers proud people into the hands of his humble servants. That's how he does it. So when we begin to wield the sword of the Spirit, the word of the living God, God will cut down some people who are proud you won't even know them in what city, what town, what nation they are. We're in the face of the, girl, the globe. They are witches and warlocks. shall sh surely be cut off. You won't even know. Don't need to know either. None of your business. Your job is to wield the sword of the spirit, the word of the living God, and let the Lord do the rest. Let's look at a man, a rich and a proud man. Bible tells us about a rich and a very proud man. Very proud man. Very, very wealthy. Most people don't understand the story about him. But this rich man and this proud man was humbled by God. He was stripped of all his wealth. Everything went just like that. Bam, 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 bam. He got news. Everything is taken. Even his very children. Then his health was taken. He was made sick. His health left him, and his body was eaten by skin worms. He looked like sticks and stones. He looked like a stick. He looked terrible, like a living dead. And even his wife, wife said to him, why don't you just curse God and die? You're despicable. You look like a living dead. Huh? Then the Lord dealt with him, and God healed him. And God commanded this man. And he said, I'm giving you a job. The same way you were a proud man, and I humbled you. I stripped you of everything. I made you sick. I took everything from you. I'm going to restore you, and I'm going to command you to humble, to war against those who are proud and arrogant. Yes, that's what God did with this man. His name was Job. He was humbled by God. Stripped of all his wealth, his cattle, livestock, everything, even his children. He was stripped. And then after he was stripped, he was stripped of his health. Then after he was stripped of his health, God put him through the ringer. And then God healed him. Then after God healed him, God commanded him. 
No, you be a humiliator. You humble people. You war against those who are proud and arrogant. You make a target of them and you put them in your spiritual crosshairs and blast away with my blessings. When you blast away and do what I tell you to do, I, the Lord God, will bring these rich men and rich people and I will put them through the ringer just like I put you through the ringer. I will humble them just like I humbled you. That's the story of Job. I want to teach you that. Now, you see, one of the things I teach, or when I teach, I don't teach with an emphasis on the upper hand belonging to Satan. And I read voraciously. I read a lot of people's writings. I read their, their look. And what they do is they give top billing to Satan. They tell you what the Satanists are doing, what the witches and the warlocks are doing, and how they are so bad, and they can do this. and they can. I go by the confines of the Bible. I give the upper hand and the top billing to Jesus. And I seek ways and teach you ways on how to pull down these evil people, shatter them, destroy them, destroy their works, and do like David did. Cut their heads off. Cut off the very leg from under them. Cut them down. I'm doing and teaching you exactly what God taught Job. And I'm teaching you how to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of the living God. Now let's go to Job, the 40th chapter. After Job been through all of what he was through, and I'm going to leave the rest of the story to you for read what Job went through. He lost his livestock, lost all of his children. He lost his money. He lost his health. And he was just a living dead skeleton, a living skeleton. Body was filled with worms, stink. And God dealt with him. When God dealt with him, verses 38 and 39, in the 40th verse, after God finished with him, it says in the 10th verse, Job 40 and 10. Turn your Bibles there, if you will. I'm going to teach you what warfare is all about. Job 40 and 10. When he finished with Job and he says, now I'm ready for you, Job. He said, deck yourself, Job, with excellency. Deck yourself. Put on your garments with majesty. King Job and excellency. And array yourself with glory and beauty. Array, deck yourself with honor and majesty. I'm giving you honor and majesty. Am I giving it to you? I'm telling you. Adorn yourself. Put your royal robes on. You're a king. Only kings deck themselves with excellency and dignity. Array yourself with honor and majesty. This is the word of God to Job. Now you've been through my ringer. You lost everything. You lost your children. lost your health. I'm going to reverse it for you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to bring you back. I want to tell somebody tonight that God is, God is restoring you. Not only is he bringing restitution to you, you're going to get back everything that you lost. Uh, he's going to get, get it back to you sevenfold. It's not just restoration, it's restitution. He's going to restore you. But all of what you lost, he's going to bring it back to you sevenfold. Because this is God, this is how he does it. But if you don't do your part, you ain't going to get nothing. Nada. Zilch. Nothing. And then he says in the 11th verse, Job 40 and verse 11, he says, 
Pour out the fury of your anger. Pour out your rage of your wrath, your burning anger. And look everyone that is proud. Look upon everybody that is proud, the arrogant, the haughty, and bring them low. I want you to write that scripture down. I want you to go in your prayer closet and I want you to say, is this the word of the living God? Again, this is the Bible, Job, the 40th chapter, and the 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th verses. 10 through 13, that's what we're going to cover tonight. This is the command of God to Job. Job, I have humbled you. I have brought you through by ringer. I've given you a position. And by the way, in the same manner as Job was brought through the ringer and told what to do and how to get out, is the same manner God brought David through the ringer. And he wrote all those 76 Psalms. And we have the blessings of those 76 Psalms today. And when David was in hot water, God, through the Holy Spirit, gave him the inspiration to write these scriptures, these psalms. And he said, now, David, go ahead and pray these scriptures to me, boy. Pray these words I give you to me. And when you pray them to me, pray them back to me, I'll, re I'll reverse the situation for you. That's exactly what God did. So he allowed Job to go through a terrible humiliation, lost everything, humbled all of his pride and haughtiness was shattered. He lost all his livestock. He lost all of his children that he was so proud of. He lost everything. He lost his health. But he, <laughs> thank God for Job. He never lost the last part of his humility. He said, the Lord give it, and the Lord take it away. But bless Jesus anyhow. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, man that is born of a woman, his days are few, and his life is full of trouble. What have you lost? What have you been through? Have you been stripped of all of your earthly possessions? I know what it is to be stripped. When you think you're riding high and everything is looking good and you accumulate a certain amount, then all of a sudden you're stripped. 2008. Many people were stripped of their position. You had money. After 2008, the, the, the meltdown of 2008, they had nothing. COVID last year, people had some money. They had some wealth. Some people I'm reading, they had maybe a, apartment buildings, houses that they rented, they had income. Money coming from houses that, that they rented. Now, they got nothing. People are living in, squatting in the house. They don't have no rent. They don't pay no rent. They owe taxes. They owe mortgages. They can't pay it. Broke. Busted. Do you see what I'm saying to you? God stripped this man, Job. And when he stripped him and brought him down to nothing, and he spoke to him, Job 38 and 39, he said, now, Job, I'm turning it around for you. Put your clothes on. Deck yourself. That your restoration and your restitution has come. And he said, I know you're angry, Job, but I want you to pour out the fury of your anger. 
Look upon everyone who is proud and bring him low. Oh, is that in your Bible? Oh, by the way, again, that is Job, the 40th chapter, and the 11th verse. And by the way, just in case you don't know it, it is said that the book of Job is just as old as the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those are written by Moses. They're called the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible. It is said by Bible scholars that the book of Job just as old as those five books. So Job is a contemporary of Moses. This is what God told him. Pour out the rage, the fury of your anger. Look upon everyone, not just some people, everyone who is proud, bring him down, sick him. Look, uh, the verse 12 says, look at everyone who is proud, humble him. Then he says, tread down the wicked in their place. Trample down the wicked in their place. Crush the wicked in their place. I hope you're seeing this. I never had nobody taught me this. All my Christian life, I've never heard a preacher teach on this. Never. Then again, I taught you, I had great bishops, 24 karat bishops that taught me holy living doctrine. They taught me great. They didn't miss a beat. They taught me the word of God, but nobody taught me warfare. Not like I'm teaching you warfare. So God give me all these scriptures and God telling me to tell you, this is how you do it. This is what... Bible Code 7, University of Spiritual Warfare, is all about taking your rage and your anger and putting it in the right direction. Your spiritual crosshairs must be aimed at what? The proud. And against who? Crush the wicked in their place. Trample down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust. That's verse 13 together and bind their faces in secret. What you bind on earth, I, God, will bind in heaven. And what you loose on earth, when you loose the blessings upon the humble, the people of God, I will loose it in heaven. How many people, how many Christians know this? You think maybe this is the reason why the Christian church is in such a mess? Do you think maybe that you could help me teach this strategy of warfare and get an army of coders together and begin to turn it around, not only for you, but to make the Bible come together, make the Bible come out? This is, this is my assignment, by the way. I know my assignment. I'm not going anywhere. I shall live, I shall not die, and with long life the Lord is going to satisfy me and show me his salvation, his saving grace. <clears throat> I am teaching what he revealed to me, Bible Code 7. And I know what I'm going to do. I'm teaching this. And I saw a vision recently, about two days ago, two mornings ago, of acceleration. God is going to accelerate me. And he's going to accelerate Bible Code 7. And I'm releasing this to you as he gave it to me. My question to you is, what are you going to do with this?
how are you going to help to bring about what God has mandated? Job 40, 10 through 13. But God tells us what to do, and all the proud men, the billionaires, the leaders of the culture, the rich, oppressing and crushing the, the, the poor, the injustices that we are dealing with. You see, it's good to go out and demonstrate and carry a placard and do all kind of stuff, and some people are burning buildings and doing all kind of stuff in demonstration against oppression, against injustices. That's not the way to do it. Peaceful demonstration is one thing. But when you burn stuff and you're, you're, you're using violence, that's not the way to do it. I can teach you how to be violent and you get more out of it. This is what you call spiritual violence. Job 40, 10 through 13, where God says, pour out your anger on anyone who is proud, arrogant, bring them low, rope them in, bring them down to the ground. Humble them, crush the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together. Bind their faces in, in hidden places. Hmm? Pour out the overflowings of your wrath, your fury. Look at everyone who is proud and make him low. Humble him. How do you humble him? What are you going to do? Go up to him and slap him in the face and spit on him? No, no, no. That's not how you do it. You use the sword of the Spirit. There are more than enough scriptures to bring them down. I can tell you one thing. Psalm 11 verse 6 says that upon the wicked, God said he'd rain down snares, traps, fire, burning sulfur, and a horrible fury. And this shall be the portion of your cup. God is going to fill your cup with his wrath and with his fury. That's what God is going to do. We give him his word and let him do it. Why you want to go and try to go and find a rich man? You won't even be able to find a billionaire anyway. He's got such layers of security. You don't know where which house he's in. Whether he's in the mansion here, there, or anywhere. You'll never be able to find him. But guess what? The Lord knows where he is. And the Lord, when you release the crushing word, the Lord will crush him. Tread him down. Wherever he stands, God says, I'll, I'll tread him down. The wicked will take flight when nobody is, 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 is running after them. Nobody is chasing them. God will take sleep from their eyes. God will make them see things and hear terrifying noises and run. God can make them crazy. God can strike them with the terror of the living God. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? You don't have to try to fight in this battle. When God is ready, God will take him out. What he tell Moses? He said, hey, the Egyptians you see today, you shall see them again no more and forever. What did God do? He took him out. God is a taker-outer. God is a killer. I love to say that. God is a killer. The Bible says he killeth. And he make it alive. He's a man of war. And I love when the Bible tells you what God can do. And he kills his enemy. He destroys his enemies. And his enemies are our enemies, by the way. You see, they can't see God to fight God. So the next closest thing to God that they want to fight is who? 
we who talk about Jesus and worship Jesus and serve him. That's why they want to shut down our churches. You can't go to church. Leave us alone. If we want to catch COVID, leave us. Let us catch COVID. We volunteer. What's it to you? We, 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 we want to go to church and catch COVID. We have faith in our God. You see, they want to fight against us. How do you fight back against them? Do you know what secret societies our leaders are belonging to? Do you know what they, how they meet and where they meet in the dark and what they do in the secret places? God told Ezekiel, these are the 25 leaders that bring wicked counsel, and they're the reason why there's dead bodies piling up in Jerusalem. These are wicked men. How do you know which one is righteous and which one is wicked? Evil. How do you know which one has good intention and which one has evil intention? How do you know which one is a Satanist and which one is not? You don't. That's the reason why you got to do it by the book. That's what spiritual warfare is all about. Releasing the scripture, declaring the scripture that the Lord gives you to declare and go to bed and sleep a good night's sleep. Bible Code 7, University of Spiritual Warfare. That's what we teach here. Never sticks and stones. All you see about the hum, the, the, the proud and the arrogant, the boasters, the, those who are brag, bragging and boasting and loud and proud, don't worry. God says, I'll bring him down. Bigger they are, the harder they fall. Louder they shout, more God's going to sh uh, sh uh, shatter their cheekbone and knock out their teeth. I've seen some so many proud men and so many proud women in the past talking proud and loud. And where are they now? And you look at them, some of them can't even speak. They've entered old age and they can hardly whisper. And they used to be loud and proud. Some of them are battling diseases, sicknesses, lying on a bed. They have to be diapered and taken care of. They were so haughty, and they were so proud, loud, arrogant. When you look at them now, where are they? And, you know, me and God have a controversy sometimes. I say, God, why do, you make, why do you make the wicked? Why do you make the wicked live so long? What is, what is this guy, uh, I won't call his name, why is he living so long? And why is good people die so young? Why? You should cut off the wicked in the midst of their days, like your word says. God said, no, I'm the righteous judge. Sometimes I make him live long, 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 long time. Why? I'm giving them a chance to repent, but they won't repent. But if they don't repent, they'll perish. So you got to understand. And we don't understand everything about God. But we understand what his word says. His word is our mandate. The more we come into the understanding of what he wants us to do, let's get together and let's get the job done. Last thing I want to tell you, if it's not you, it's going to be them. And if it's not them, it's going to be you. 
So it had better be you who is alive and remaining and not them. So let's get to warfare. Let's get busy. Bible Code 7, the strategy, master strategy of spiritual warfare. For your survival and for your preservation from all evil. By the way, go to BibleCode7.com, BibleCode7.org, or go to Barnes & Noble's Amazon. You can get our books, University of Spiritual Warfare, uh, at a hundredfold. Just check out our titles on the Bible Code 7. we got four books online. Every one of them teach you this, this, this strategy, and use the strategy because it works. So may the Lord bless you tonight. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Go down until Jesus returns. Have yourself a fabulous, fabulous night.